Good morning. Good morning, everybody. And welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. Benny. Yes, ma'am. Hello. Hi. How is it going? Doing very well. I I hear a little birdie told me you're a little sleepy this morning. Let's smack you out of it a little bit. Let's wake you up. All right. Wake up. Yeah. Sometimes we need that, though. We need that sometimes. I, I don't know what it is. Um, look at the weather. I mean, it's going to be beautiful. Maybe it was just a couple of days of rainy weather. Maybe yeah, that's or yeah. we're just you know feeling it. It's one of those days. It's it's quite all right. Yeah. I mean, we, we've got yeah. we, we need those in our lives. Yeah, we sure do. We sure do. So, um, yeah. So Taylor Swift was in town. She was. She made quite the splash in Seattle, so to speak. Like sold out, <laughs> lots of seats. And um, the airport on Monday, I, I doubt it has anything to, to to reflect on that, but apparently it was like the busiest day for like SeaTac Airport in like the history of like foot traffic. Yeah. So I yeah. I, I, I blame Taylor partially for that. I, uh, yeah, I think I think we can do that. Yeah, I had a couple of clients that went and saw the the show, and everybody was all had had a really great time. I think I heard the yelling from my house. Oh, did you? <laughs> I was like, wow, the earth is moving. Right. Ah." Right. But anyway, I'm glad people had a good time. There's more good things coming up. You know, Seattle always has so much happening. Um, I just encourage people to get out there and yeah, get out, get outside, go do some stuff. Yeah, we do Do totally with your friends and your families Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's perfect. We need to do it. And we've been cooped up for quite a while before that, you know, a little like pandemic is what we were calling it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. We're getting through it. We're getting through it. We're getting through it. So yeah, time for something else. We need to shake ourselves off. And uh, yeah, anyway, I am the owner of a Reiki Oasis located right here in the greater Seattle area. You are. <laughs> Trying to figure out how to get into it. I just want to chat this morning, Benny. That's what we're here like, for. Let's just get some coffee and chat. Let's do yeah, it. Let's do that. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Anyway, I uh, always have something going on over at Reiki. Reiki Oasis. You can find out more about that at ReikiOasis.com. Schedule everything at schedule.reikioasis.com. And please, uh, yes, my schedule is booked that far out. I am in the office on Wednesdays and Fridays, and I do Zoom all over the world, actually, on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And um, yeah, just uh, sometimes you have to be on a waiting list or, you know, eh, good things come when they're supposed to come. I have a trip to Egypt in November. I do take sacred trips. And uh, we'll be November 1st through the 14th. And then we're also going to go to Petra Jordan. If you are interested in that, if Egypt is calling you, which apparently it's calling a lot of people right now, um, we are going to be doing some sacred work over there. And uh, you can send me, Loretta Brown, you can send me an email at reikioasis at gmail.com and ask for the information about Egypt. I have just a couple of places left, maybe maybe two or three. and. Um, We'll get you on that trip and you can have an amazing time. Um, Welcome to Leo season. Venus is retrograde in Leo for 42 days. And during this time, she is absent from the sky. She was the evening uh, evening star, morning and evening star. Hmm. And traveling through the underworld of the heart right now until the first part of September, where she will emerge as the morning star. Many of you have told me just in the last week that what is going on, Loretta? I have all these old people, these old lovers, you know, contacting me, blah, blah, blah. 
and that is Venus retrograde. And Venus is going to bring those couples with a firm foundation closer together. And for those relationships with a weak foundation, she might help you part gracefully. And for those looking for their significant other, this is a time when Venus will have you just meet and come together. It's magical. It's a magical time. It's a time of healing of the heart and the setting of intentions and alignments for the upcoming and upward changes occurring over the next few months and the years. Earlier this week, a couple of days ago, July 26th was what's called the Galactic New Year. It's kind of an in-between day, a time out of time day. Uh, it's just an interesting day. It was the first day of the new year of the galactic calendar, which is made up of 13 moons and 28 day cycles. These frequencies are helping us to shift into a new frequency and even new realities. It's a great time to set intentions for the galactic new year ahead and aligns with the rising of the star Sirius, even though Sirius actually rises and first becomes visible August 11th. Sirius is, a, is considered a gateway to heaven. As our planet aligns with the sun and Sirius, tons of supercharged high frequency energies stream in from our great central sun. And these energies will be powerful for DNA activations over the next two weeks. They're rising up the frequency or raising up the frequency of our entire planet. The Lion's Gate portal will be open from July 28th to August 11th. And we are already very much feeling it and in the energies of the Lion's Gate portal now. So expect royal codes that align with the heart chakra. On the eighth day of the eighth month, we have the 8-8 portal. And this is the peak of the Lion's Gate. Remember I said Venus is retrograde in Leo. Lots of lion-hearted Mm, lots of stuff going on with the heart. This means the energies will be at their strongest on 8-8. And on the 8-8 portal, we have a powerful astrological alignment with Earth, Sirius, Orion's belt, our sun, the great central sun, and the pyramids of Giza all aligning. This alignment activates the portals and energy vortexes within the Earth and the ley lines. And that's why it's such a powerful time to be doing energy work and all of this great stuff that we're doing it's so powerful to connect with the earth and to get outside right now she is our great mother our gaia our sophia and with these energies you may experience spiritual awakening kundalini activation third eye heart chakra activations opening of your chakras clearing of blockages spiritual experiences downloads an increase in clairvoyance, visions, dreams, or astral travels. It's a great time to clear your energy recharge or activate your crystals. And you know what? I have this theory. It's, I don't, I don't know if it's proven, you know, how plants have like photosynthesis. I think the sun does something to us and it just makes us feel so much better, especially up here in the Seattle area. Woohoo! I think we need a dancing song in there, Benny, dancing in the sun. Anyway. <laughs> We'll give it a try. And with that, I'm going to bring my guest onto the show. I have a wonderful guest today. You're going to love this conversation with Peter Canova. He's a renowned linguist. 
historian, spiritual philosopher, and author of the at least 25 times award-winning fictional series, First Souls Trilogy, which comprises Pope Annalisa, the 13th Disciple, and the Light of Distant Sons, as well as his nonfiction book, Quantum Spirituality, Science, Gnostic Mysticism, and Connecting with Source Consciousness. Peter conducted 35 years of research into ancient spiritual texts, quantum physics, and psychology to understand the startling psychic experiences that altered his life. He learned that modern science is only simply rediscovering the astonishing teachings of ancient spiritual traditions concerning the creation and the true nature of physical reality. Wow, Peter, welcome to the show. I am blown away at how timely your appearance is on my show today. Yeah, it wow. did seem to work out very well, yeah. <laughs> I was doing the astrology and I went, you can't make this up. So thank you for flying in to be here. <laughs> uh, where are you at on planet Earth right now, by the way? Well, right now I'm in California. Ah, you're in California. So you're in the same yeah. time time zone as we are. Yeah, yeah I kind of I kind of alternate between coasts, but right now I, I'm here. Yeah, well, it's so good to have you. <clears throat> I, I really, really enjoyed your book. Um, I'm trying to figure out where to start. Let's start with you. If you could tell people a little bit about you and maybe even about your experiences that, that really kind of catapulted you onto this journey of discovery. Yeah, well, really, um, I, I'm an international businessman, um, mostly engaging in luxury hotels. And um, when I was in my 20s, uh, I did undergo a series of very vivid, I guess what you would call psychic or spiritual experiences. And it started off with finding out that I was a very accurate medical intuitive. So all I had to do was get a name, <clears throat> age and address of anybody anywhere in the planet. And I could pretty accurately diagnose what was going on with them either physically or even um, psychologically, emotionally. And when uh, I kind of set aside my disbelief at that happening, it opened up like a floodgate of things happening to me. I had clairvoyant, clairaudient experiences, remote viewing, premonitions, uh, just um, uh, all kinds of things going on. And being the Capricorn that I am, I wasn't just content to have the experiences. Wow. I kind of wanted to understand the nuts and bolts <laughs> behind it. So that's what led me to all the research because, um, you know, I, I mean, I had, I had an insight. <clears throat> I mean, the, the transformative insight I had was one night um, I was in, I guess you'd call it a semi-lucid state. And I just had the experience of that pearly, bright white light that people sometimes speak about in literature. And um, the realization I had was that everything is connected. We are all connected. Now that doesn't sound too profound, except for me, it was because I actually experienced it. And this wasn't just an intellectual thought in my mind. This was an experience because I had already been inside, you know, numerous people in terms of, you know, helping diagnose uh, problems that they were having. And, you know, it just stood to reason that, well, I mean, you know, I don't have wires connecting me with these folks. So there's got to be some other connection out there we must be part of a matrix of uh, of uh where we're wherein we're all connected and yet that that experience i had with that white light was actually 
that connection actually coming through to me in a way that actually spoke to me. And so, you know, it's one thing to have an intellectual experience. It's another thing to actually have. Um, well, let me put it to you this way. Someone can tell you that fire burns, but until you put your hand in the fire that you don't know that, you know, once you put your hand in that fire, you own it. So my hand at that point was in the fire and it really kind of altered the course of my life because I pulled back somewhat on my business and I started devoting more time to um, trying to help other people uh, get to the point that I ha had experience with higher consciousness, which I think betters, you know, all our all of our lives. Yes, I um, appreciate very much what you just said, because it's experiential. Um, sometimes people have what I call head knowledge, right? But there's that um, experience. Yeah, once you have that, how do you how do you step away from that? So that led you into exploring all kinds of things. Now you have in your book made a very interesting, and actually I loved it, your connection between all of these studies, you know, psychology and the quantum. So what is quantum spirituality? How did you get to there? Well, of course, the experience that I had um, was a spiritual experience but as i started to get into the research part of it the first place that i went naturally were you know ancient spiritual texts and i zeroed in on the gnostics because for me um once you uh, once you understood the scholarly background of how to interpret the gnostics and it takes a while to get there because you just i don't think everybody can just read it and really understand it you have to understand the contextual um background in which it was written but once i got there uh i started to fade into the field of quantum physics and it wasn't a coincidence because both ancient spiritual wisdom and quantum physics essentially deal with light energy matter and consciousness so they really describe the same things just coming from different perspectives or di you know different doors arriving at the same circle and um it was a great way to give people a roadmap to consciousness because like any map you want to have uh, at least a couple of coordinates to get anywhere you want to have north and south latitude and longitude and my two coordinates were ancient spiritual wisdom and gnostics uh, and um, quantum science so those were the two bookends that i was able to create this arena of information in order to help people um you know experience have extraordinary experiences with consciousness so talk a little bit about the nag hammadi texts right? Yeah. And um, yeah, just, you know, because I'm, I'm always amazed at how when they were discovered, and how when they came out, they kind of changed a whole lot of things. But there's also been a lot in the Nag Hammadi text that I feel like has not been brought out, you kind of point to that in your book. Yeah. So well, so, yeah, yeah, I guess you want to understand who the Gnostics were to begin with. So you understand the right. significance of the fine. Right. But uh, the, the Gnostics, uh, the Gnostics were a group of mystics who basically were centered in Alexandria, Egypt, which several thousand years ago was the intellectual um, mecca of, uh, of the known world at that time. It was a Greek city, but it was in Alexandria, founded by Alexander the Great. And the thing about Alexandria was it had so many influences coming through it, Hindu, um, Buddhist, um, Persian, Zoroastrian, Egyptian Hermetic, Hellenistic Greek philosophy, all these um, traditions, these wisdom traditions or spiritual traditions 
filtered through Alexandria and the Gnostics essentially synthesized all these. And uh, I found out of all the various spiritual or ancient traditions that I studied, the Gnostics were the most precise. I mean, they really were the scientists of their day, although they spoke in non-technical terms. Obviously, we, you didn't have technology and hadron particle colliders back then. But uh, I soon realized <laughs> that what they were describing in the mythic um, modes of their day was nothing less than the whole story of creation as wow. it's being told now in quantum physics with the Big Bang, parallel universes, the God particle. All these things were really covered in the ancient Gnostic text. So um, the Gnostics themselves predated Christianity, but they became the first Christians because they recognized that Jesus was teaching a Gnostic message. And we know that Jesus was had basically two teachings. There were two Christianities. And we know that from the Bible itself, because it says in all the synoptic gospels that unto the disciples, he gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven, but unto those without, he spoke in parables. And then we have further affirmations from ancient church fathers like Clement uh, of Alexandria and Origen, both of whom were ancient bishops in Alexandria, both of who confirmed in writing that Jesus had a secret teaching, but it wasn't given out to the masses for fear that they did not have the ability to comprehend. So it was that the secret teachings and the mysteries were limited to a certain, I guess, what you could call elect few. So the Gnostics were those elect few, and uh, the the early church, which really was called the way back then, there were no such thing as Christians in the early days. Okay, it, the movement was called the way, which almost sounds like a yogic practice, but it was a <laughs> spiritual, it was a spiritual orientation, a, 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 a wisdom approach to spirituality. And Jesus was teaching the principles of this. And uh, so we, we essentially had two churches, we had an inner mystical church, which incidentally was largely run by females, according to the Gnostic text, particularly Mary Magdalene. And then you had the outer church, which became corrupted by the Roman Empire and basically became a reflection of the Roman state. And that's the church that we have today, uh, essentially the Orthodox Catholic churches that we have today. So um, the Orthodox Church was very threatened by the Gnostics because at that point they had, you know, all the dogma and the hierarchies and the agendas had already pretty well settled into that branch of Christianity. And they felt very threatened by the Gnostics because the Gnostics said, we don't need you guys. We, we, you know, we don't need a priest. We don't need a church as an intercessor. We are right. all projections of the one consciousness. And as projections of the one consciousness, what we have to do is remember what we are. We have to relearn and remember what we are, but we don't need a priest or an intercessor in order to do that. So there, look, there were numerous other differences, but that was probably the biggest threat to them. And so they did a tremendous job of suppressing the Gnostics, uh, burning their books, physically exterminating the Gnostics and everything else. So in 1945, the same year the atomic bomb was dropped, we have the discovery of the Gnostic Gospels in Nag Hammadi, Egypt by Egyptian brothers who were searching for manure outside of caves for fertilizer. And they stumbled upon these earthenware jars in the caves. And at first they didn't want to open it because they thought there'd be gins or genies inside, but their greed overcame their superstition because they said, well, maybe there's gold there too. So, <laughs> so they, they broke the jars open and, and, and out spill all these papyrus scrolls. And these were um, the suppressed Gnostic texts. And they took them home, uh, and unfortunately, their mother, not realizing their value, burnt a lot of them for kindling, uh, which is very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But um, 
they saved quite a bit, which became the Nag, uh, which became came under the collected title of the Nag Hammadi Gospels. And the important thing about this is that prior to this time, most of what we understood about the Gnostics was from their enemies, the early church fathers, the writings of the early church fathers. This was the first time we actually had a window into the writings of the actual Gnostic masters and their mysteries. Wow. Um, I love how you shared that. And and I wrote down about 10 notes coming out of that, those pieces of information. Uh, what a lot of uh, wealth of information. I, I want to ask you a question. Um, what is the connection or is there a connection between Gnosticism and paganism or the ancient um, earth, you know, like the, the Sophia, the fertile goddess concepts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what you find mm. in antiquity is that all the major traditions from the Hindus all the way to the Druids of the of the uh, of the British Isles, there was a common wisdom that was called the perennial tradition. And even though it became varied as it acculturated through different uh, regions of the world, um, there were always core principles that were really the same. So the Gnostics, as I said, predated Christianity, and they, they were what were called pagan Gnostics and Christian Gnostics, okay? Uh, prior to Christ, they were pagan. The ones who um, became Christians afterwards were, were known as the Christian Gnostics. But still, their, their, um, their basic message and what they were, what they were basically teaching uh, was, was all the same. And, you know, unfortunately... Uh, we've we've given the term pagan a dirty connotation here. Uh, it's become right. a little bit pejorative. And the pagan mystery schools, which existed in ancient times, which stretched from India to the British Isles in various forms, these mystery schools were high sources of wisdom, probably far more advanced in many ways than our basic understandings of uh, metaphysical issues today. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm sitting here because I obviously read your book, and I'm. I made so many connections in there. You know, I've been on what what I've called the path of the goddess for a long, long time, traveling the world and walking in her footprints, right? And um, this idea that paganism or this ancient also, and, and it, I do want you um, to share the Gnostic creation story because I think that um, it's important, right? It's real important. And uh, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but I'm thinking about... Um, you know, in um, Turkey, you know, we've got the great Sophia, you know, we've got the great mosque that was taken over by Christianity and it's been re redecorated several times to hide um, the yeah. Sophia. I, 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 Sophia from Constantinople, yeah. which now became a mosque after the Turkish conquest. Yes. Yeah. Which to me illustrates what's been going on. Yeah. <laughs> Just that one you know, just Hagia Sophia, just that one temple, right? Um, so, wow. Um, so the the perennial philosophy, um, comment just a little bit on the perennial philosophy. Well, really, I mean, I think the basic preset to the perennial philosophy is, number one, everything is a unity. Everything stems from one source. Uh, I think the other important factor, though, there is that that one source generated itself or projected itself outward into multiple points of consciousness. Now, that's a key uh, precept right there, because Christianity, Judeo-Christianity essentially tells us that we were this, these separate creations from the deity. 
And we were like these little wind up dolls that were sent down here to this insane asylum created from the dust of the earth and everything else. And, you know, go, go figure uh, what, you know, what to do there. Oh, by the way, you pissed me off and you're going to spend the rest of my, your life getting back into my good graces because of original sin. That's, that's the unfortunately sad um, Judeo-Christian concept that so many of us grew up under. However, the Gnostics and, and the perennial philosophers said, no, no, we are actual projections. We are emanations, projections of the essence of the divine itself, albeit in diluted form and frequency and vibration, but nonetheless projections of that, that uh, divine consciousness, that, that source that created everything. And as such, we have a role to play in this world, which is, and I, I describe it in my books as human beings are actually the fingers of God touching the face of this earth. And our purpose is to spiritualize the material and bring the experience of the material back to spirit. We are the bridge between the physical world and the spiritual world. Uh, we are, as you know, you may have heard before, it's a little bit of a cliche, but spirits having a human experience. So this is all, this is all very much true. So in that sense, humans play an exalted role in the creation, not, not like this, not, not this sort of a denigrated petty role that we've been assigned to by the church. I'm, I'm giggling because I love the way you talk. Uh, wind up. Yeah. Wind up dolls. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also love this idea of the, of the fingers, the fingertips we're interfacing. We're the interface, right? Like information goes down through us and goes back up through us. Um, I've both always ways. had, yeah, both ways, absolutely both ways. I, um, um, I, I do want to talk, well, we're going to take a little break in a moment and I do want to talk about, you know, the matrix and this, this concept of an idea, but, um, ever since I was a little girl, I've always had this idea that when I look at people, their energetic projections onto the inside of a holographic field, like a matrix, like I've always seen it and never really knew what it was or how to explain it. No one ever talked about it, right? Because <laughs> no one sees like me, maybe. I don't know what that is. But um, while you're talking, I'm, I am just sort of sensing into that, 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 real, that realization that our bodies and our consciousness, like all of us is part of this, isn't it? The light, well, you the know, connection. You know, what what yeah. physics what physics tells us, and really what the ancient wisdom wisdom tells us is we perceive ourselves as solid three dimensional objects, and our reality ends at the boundary of our skin, or you know, basically what our senses can perceive. Um, and that in and of itself is, is a complete illusion. And that's not just, you know, the Maya of Hinduism or the illusion that the Gnostics talk about. That's a quantum fact because, you know, what we view as the solid world is not solid at all. Where, you know, underneath us are subatomic particles, you know, swirling around there. And in fact, uh, you know, the atoms of the particles that we talk about are basically 99% light energy in space and only 1% mass. And yet we fixate in the 1% to the exclusion of the 99%. So uh, honestly, in many ways, what we really are is projections, is uh, uh, light energy projections from ourselves in other dimensions. We're projecting ourselves uh, into a physical experience. And um, in the book, I, I cover it in great detail, you know, how we, how we see, how we perceive objects and, you know, how all this works. But uh, yeah, most definitely, there's so many ways you can describe uh, and, and tell people how this world is really an illusion. Yeah, I am. Um, 
yeah, this is a this is a great conversation. I love it. Uh, this is Loretta Brown. We're going to take a little station break. My guest today, Peter Canova. We're talking about his book, Quantum Spirituality, Science, Gnostic Mysticism, and Connecting with Source Consciousness. And uh, don't go away. When we get back, we are going to talk about, do we live in a matrix? We're going to talk more about the Divine Feminine the Magdalene Sophia, the Gnostic creation story. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Energy is powerful. It's all around us, mysterious, full of potential. Directing positive healing energy to raise your vibrational rate through Reiki can change your life. Reiki master Loretta Brown has relieved stress, sadness, anger, and even helped clients lose weight, stop smoking, and end sleep disorders. Worldwide, people have sought out Reiki Oasis. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Everyone has a community, a neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use, community members can be your eyes and ears when you're not with your kids and alert you to signs of potential problems. Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional-sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown show with my guest, Peter Canova, author of Quantum Spirituality and also uh, the uh, First Souls Trilogy. You're going to want to check all that out. We'll talk about it in a minute. I want to remind people that these shows are archived. You can download them for free at the KKNW 1150 AM archives for the original Loretta Brown show. We're on iTunes, Podcast One, Twitter, Megaphone, uh, Spotify. We're, we're, we're everywhere, really. YouTube. Yeah, we're everywhere. So uh, please check it out. Lots of great, great shows. Um, so we are talking, we're having such a great talk. Peter, I, I guess I'm going to pull this to the air and then we'll get back into your book. But during the break, I was asking Peter about his First Souls trilogy and, and the book uh, Pope Annalisa and if that is being uh, made into a movie or something. So just give us a little teaser on that. Yeah, the First Souls trilogy is a saga of the first spiritual consciousness to enter into the material world. It's actually written in reverse order, kind of like Star Wars. So Pope Annalisa really is the last book, but it's the first book chronolo chronologically, but the last book in terms of uh, the, the flow of the story. And it's about an African nun who becomes a female pope at a time when America and Iran are going into a nuclear war. And she gets caught in the middle of uh, all this geopolitical intrigue uh, where her own College of Cardinals and Islamic radicals are all trying to eliminate her. Uh, and uh, it's a story of a woman whose spirit uh, essentially um, incorporating like the Holy Spirit who overcomes all these adversities, tremendous adversities, in order to help the world move forward. 
And we are uh, working on that right now to make it a multi-part uh, TV series. And, you know, hopefully uh, maybe in a few months, I'll have some more news on that, but we'll keep our <laughs> fingers crossed. It's a, it's a squirrely <laughs> business, especially now with all the writer strikes going on. Yeah, it is. Well, I wanted to throw that teaser out there and also, um, you know, I, I'm working my way through your trilogy, enjoying it very much. And, um, for the listeners, uh, you know, it's, it's written as fictional, but, you know, Peter has done so much research. I think you're going to find some pretty amazing truths in there and a way to approach it that you might be able to gather information from it or get even activated by reading it. I, I do believe there's a consciousness to things. Yeah. yeah, and the and the current the current book, um, the uh, quantum spirituality, which I happen to have a little copy of right here. Um, yeah, four, uh, four was written by James Redfield, incidentally, of Celestine Prophecies, and uh, it's a, it's actually a a, a great complement to the trilogy in a way because the trilogy was based on quantum spirituality. Even though I wrote the trilogy first, the trilogy the trilogy was a result of all the research that I did that I compiled in quantum spirituality, but I've decided to do the trilogy in a fictional and entertaining form. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So let's jump back into uh, your quantum spirituality book. Let's, let's yeah. get pull forward some of that stuff. Uh, could you please share with us information about the Gnostic creation story? And I, I want to point something out. You've said it a couple of times. I'm, you said it pretty clearly, but I want to say it again to the listening audience. Um, there is a, big difference between the idea of projection from the creative source or creation and so maybe just clarify projection and then please right. go into the gnostic creation sure. story for well, us. well i the the, most, the the simplest way that i distinguish uh emanation from creation projection and emanation are pretty much the same thing mm -hmm. versus creation uh think of pinocchio and geppetto okay pinocchio was the creation of geppetto he wasn't part of geppetto at least in, in, unless you could say emotionally, but he wasn't, he was a separate creation. So creation is something that you make, whereas emanation is something that you project from within. So the, the, as, as we said before, the Gnostic conception of the Supreme being of the Supreme consciousness of the one force, call it God, call it anything you want. It doesn't matter all the same thing, but uh, that the, uh, the, the phenomenal world and everything in between uh, is actually an emanation of the one consciousness the only difference and the reason why we have separate appearances it has to do with the rate of vibration or frequency or you know or rate or under under limitation of consciousness the degree of limitation of consciousness creates the separate forms so look the gnostic creation story whenever i'm asked this on the radio it's 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 a bit of a challenge because yes. i'm going to try i'm going to try and compact something that's very very profound and we could probably discuss for an hour in a very short period of time. So try and try and bear with me here. Uh, but the Gnostic creation story basically said that the one uh, source of everything desired to know itself. And in order for something to know itself, it has to have something to contrast itself by. If, if the everything is everything and it has nothing else by which to contrast itself, that means it can exist, but it can't experience. It, it, it's a static existence. So, so the, the, the one consciousness projected out other points of consciousness 
that you can call spiritual beings. Now, in Christian terms, you know, you might call them angels or archangels. The Gnostics called these these uh, projected beings eons, A-E-O-N-S, which means eternities, okay? Mm. And they were really archetypes. They were actually aspects of the one source itself. They were given names like justice, truth, mercy, wisdom. They were the ideal aspects of this one good source. And they were, uh, you can think of them as, as points of consciousness, intelligent points of energy. Uh, they weren't, you can, I mean, you can think of them as people that often helps, but they weren't people. They, they were, they were high spiritual sources of consciousness in and of themselves. And uh, basically um, the youngest of these was called wisdom or Sophia. Now, Sophia plays a very prominent role in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, but we don't recognize it because it goes by the English translation of her name, which is wisdom. So if you read the book of Proverbs or the book of Job, you'll hear a lot about wisdom. She proclaims in the book, I was there from the beginning. I am co-eternal with the one. Okay. What she was, was the female aspect of God. And the, the Gnostics recognized, like Carl Jung and like so many other traditions recognized, that there was one unity, but it expressed itself in two polarities that we can call male and female, yin and yang or whatever. And it was the interaction between these polarities that created the energy, the motion, the heat and light and friction to project out the rest of creation. Okay. Yeah. Now, Sophia was a very interesting character. Sophia was the first one who broke the unity of heaven. She basically used her free will to say, I want to create on my own. I want to try a creation on my own. And she looked out and she saw an area called chaos. Now, when you think of, when you think of the creation uh, that we discussed, the, the one projected these eons, and you could think of them as kind of orbiting around God, okay? You can think of these celestial beings orbiting around God, and that, that, so that collective orbit was what we might call heaven. And outside the sphere of heaven was something that was called chaos, which is a term we use in modern quantum physics. And essentially what chaos was, was a, an area that was unorganized containing seeds of potential. It's the exact same thing as the quantum field of today. The, what we know is there's no such thing as a vacuum. The vacuum, vacuums are see in space are seething with virtual particles, particles that have not yet come into existence. And that's how the Gnostics describe chaos. They said that this place chaos was full of something called proto-matter, which is a mind-blowing term to me. But a proto-matter, I mean, if you, if you break it down, it means that which comes before matter, aka virtual particles. So this area of chaos, which was unorganized yet unorganized by the mind of God is where Sophia plunges herself into in order to have a new experience. Well, something very strange happens when she goes in there. These virtual particles, this proto-matter flocks to her like iron filings would cling to a magnet and they engulf her. And, and it's something, she starts to change. They both start to mutate. They both start to change. She starts to lose her high energy and they start to gain it and they become activated and she cries out to heaven and she says save me from this matter i am becoming as lead i am turning into matter now before this there was no such thing as matter this is the energy matter original energy matter conversion that created the particles in the universe happening right here also 
it's the action of the God particle. The, the God particle of the Higgs boson, something you may have heard about. It was popularized yes. for a few years and it was in some of Dan Brown's books and everything. And yeah. essentially the God, what ha, what the God particle, our world is surrounded by a field called the Higgs field. And when energies enter into our universe and from where we don't know, scientists can manipulate energy, but they don't know anything about it, where it comes from or what it is, okay? It enters our universe and it hits this Higgs field. And these Higgs bosons, these virtual particles, flock to these energy streams like iron filings to a magnet and slow them down and convert them to physical matter. Sophia cries out to heaven, I am becoming matter. My life energy is draining from me. This is a direct description of the God particle, okay? Yeah. Now, what, what if we stop at this point, what have we experienced? We've already seen parallel universes or parallel dimensions because that is what these angelic beings were. These projected points of consciousness were actually different levels of vibration, of conscious vibration that form different dimensional energies. Sophia was the lowest dimension. <clears throat> she goes out into the quantum field, chaos, and essentially her action starts the whole transformation from spiritual energy into physical matter. Okay. And so yeah. the world, essentially, there's a, there's a lot more to this. I'm, I'm giving you the reader's digest of this version, but essentially um, uh, it's, it says that this new, this new matter that was created as a result of Sophia's actions could not coexist with the spiritual world. And it was projected apart and expelled in a big bang in a in a in a in a great explosion outward that's what the big bang was the big bang was an explosion from nothing into something from something that we can't perceive into something that we do perceive which is our universe so here you're getting a description of the big bang also so anyway you can see how the whole sophia story is intrinsically wrapped up with with the the, the creation of the world and the universe as we know it wow i am also um while you're talking i'm thinking about you know, the the Hindu uh, version of creation with Brahma, Brahma, you know, creates chaos. And he's like, oh, my goodness, I've got chaos, whatever shall I do, right? Or whatever. It's this Loretta's fractured uh, fable of how it went and called upon um, the divine feminine within him, let, shall we say, and out of his mouth flew Sarasvati on the back of her swan uh, and she gave him wisdom and she gave him sound and he created, you know, the chaos formed itself into matter. And I, I was just making the parallels between what you were telling me, uh, the quantum spirituality, uh, the Gnostic uh, uh, creation story, and even that Hindu Brahma, you know, my well, mutated yeah. version as of that. I, as, I, yeah. as I said, uh, this is, comes from the perennial philosophy, the common yes. spiritual wisdom. And in fact, if you yes. go further into the Hindu tradition, Loretta, he talks about, um, they talk in the Hindu tradition about the mind sons and mind daughters. And yes. that, they, that that's the exact same thing as the Gnostic eons. The mind sons and mind daughters were the projected creations of the deity. Well, and if even if I go to the Bible, you know, in the beginning was the, was the uh, it was without form and void. Yeah. And then also back in the New Testament, you know, it talks about and God, God was the word, you know. Yeah. So I, I'm just, yeah, that perennial philosophy invades everything, doesn't it? It goes all together. Um, by the way, thank you for that. I love how you told that. And I also loved how you made those connections between uh, quantum, the quantum world and the Gnostic creation um, uh, story. Um, so in this, so Sophia, 
wisdom. Did she fall from heaven? Yes. Yeah. Yes. There, there, there were there were actually there were actually um, two falls in the Gnostic okay. version as opposed to the one fall. The first the first was the fall from Sophia uh, into uh, this uh, really essentially what became a psychic state, the state of soul. Uh, so which soul the difference between soul and spirit is you can spirit has never left the um i guess in christian terms the throne of god spirit never left the divine orbit okay those spirits that did leave the divine orbit in order to experience on their own became souls soul is the record of individual spiritual experience so they became souls so we now had a we now have a soul dimension a dimension of, of of soul mind in addition to the spiritual dimension and then eventually that dimension of soul mind fell into yet another lower dimension which is material materiality material dimension and and sophia led that fall uh and in fact my trilogy the first souls trilogy has very much to do with that whole story about the fall so explain to us a little bit i want to i want to go into this idea of projection or emanation and also bring in the uh, Sophia into the idea of the matrix and illusion, you know, because I really want to bring this down to what is the point of us knowing all this, or what was the point of hiding all this from us? Right. Yeah. Well, I think, I think um, you, you have to understand, first of all, the whole nature of emanation, because in order to, for, any consciousness to experience itself as something individual it has to have a different rate of vibration to contrast itself against that which it's experiencing or contrasting so um i guess to put it in simple terms um it's all about limitation of consciousness okay that's what that's what creates the reality we know it's all limitation of consciousness yeah. so the one the one source obviously is the highest consciousness and each of the successive conscious dimensions that it projected these eons or these beings if you want to call them by definition had to have a more limited consciousness to experience themselves as individuals because if they didn't if they had the same consciousness of the source they'd be right absorbed back into the source and there'd be no individuality there'd be no contrast it'd be just the one static existence that we spoke of earlier so really what life is all about is about frequency it's about vibration and the the differences in frequency and vibration give rise to all the various forms of consciousness physicality almost everything we know is a result of different rates of frequency and vibration and this uh is not just a uh, uh uh you know a kind of um spiritual platitude but even the father of quantum physics max planck back in 1900 said i can tell you for one thing is certain there's no such things as particles all all we have is a vibration that's brought to bear by a supreme force and that creates all the appearances of creation the particles and everything else so what i'm telling you right now and he, and he used the word vibrations and frequency okay this wasn't swami ramalama ding dong okay this was the father of modern quantum physics max planck so so everything i'm telling you here has its analogs in both the spiritual and the scientific sides but uh yeah it's 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 really limitation of consciousness is the price that you pay for individuality okay and the purpose though at the end of the day is to have experience so you know we have a very limited frequency here in the material world 
because we're about the lowest form of consciousness there is consciousness and physical form right but we're experiencing physical form that's something in a higher state that we couldn't do but we can project ourselves into the illusion of physical form by lowering our frequencies by lowering our consciousness uh, now the downside of that is you can get lost in that okay so the spirits yeah. That, that came and again the trilogy covers this quite a bit those spirits that first came in here they could probably project themselves in and out of material forms at will but then they became locked into these forms and their experience became these forms and they started identifying reality stopping at the boundaries of their skin and sensory perception became their reality and they forgot the the spiritual connection from which they derived so it's all really, like I say, a matter of, of frequency and so forth. And that's how, that's where the illusion comes in. We're projections of higher frequencies. So as we navigate this illusionary world, the matrix, right? Yeah, no, man, I, I don't even know how to ask this question. We are creating this. We are perceiving this. We can shift this. We can change this. What would you say to that? And how oh, yeah, do we absolutely. Do that? What, what, what mm -hmm. I what I really yeah. believe is that we're multidimensional creatures, Thank and you. I believe there's versions of you and me and everybody yeah. at, at a higher dimension. And I think we're projecting ourselves here. Okay, they're, 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 it's almost like maybe there's a you know a spiritual version of us that's dreaming us into existence down here, sleeping a little bit up there and dreaming down here. But I believe <laughs> that that can descend that can descend through like multiple layers or multiple dimensions of of existence. So yes, we 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 do. And we do have those abilities. It's not a cliche to say that we are co-creators, but that co that co uh, creator notion is something that's in potential. In order to really and truly realize that, you have to really attune to the right frequency. So when I, when I told you I had my experiences, so I was like a person who was sitting in front of a radio trying to find a program, and I'm sitting there tuning the dial, you know, for I don't know how long, and then finally. This station comes through and you realize it's been there for eternity. It's been there 24-7. It's just that I needed to hit the right frequency. I needed to attune to it. So the energy and the consciousness is there. It's up to us to attune or reattune ourselves back to this. And then we start to realize all the potentialities, you know, that, that we've heard about. And incidentally, look, I, I want to say something important at this point. You know, I don't want I don't want this conversation to get too abstract because the reason why I wrote this book is the biggest impediment to our existence is fear. And the reason I wrote this book is to give people a roadmap to help them to have extraordinary experiences with consciousness, because when you do that. You know, it's like we talked about when you put your hand in the fire and you own now you own the knowledge that fire burns as opposed to just hearing in a book or taking it on faith from somebody else or from a church or something. You have to become your own prophet. This book, this book, I really want to help people become their own prophets. In yeah. fact, when I do my yeah. public speaking, I often start off and say, OK, folks, don't believe a damn thing I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and they all sit there scratching their heads and say, well, we paid to come to this for, you know, and, and, you know, what I'm really telling them is, look, I want you to listen to what I have to say and I want you to consider it. But don't take anything as gospel until you can weigh it within the 
experience of your own existence and you need to, you know, let me help you get to that point where you can discern and you can start to have some of these realizations. So at the end of the day, this book is very much, you know, it's not just all this information that I'm giving you. And I don't want people to think it's all this abstract. It funnels right down to very practical ways that people can incorporate everything we're talking about to make their lives better. Thank you so much for that. That you actually, that was my question that you answered it beautifully. Um, I, I am always all about being your own prophet and, and coming back in here and kind of realizing who and what we really are. Um, I think that as that, you know, your book is a thesis, right? As opposed to a hypothesis, you know, so you have all this stuff and I, I, I just look at it as providing the evidence or the scientific evidence or whatever it is, the background to help us understand uh, what this, our perception of this reality that we're in, right? Yeah. And it has I mean, my, to be practical. It has to be day-to-day yeah. boots on the ground. Yeah, my, my, my body of work, the uh, best way I can describe it is like a signpost on a spiritual journey. Um, <laughs> and, and it's just trying to guide you along that journey as opposed to what you get from a church uh, or from, you know, traditional um, uh, re- religious uh, institutions. Yeah. They, they're like these places along the path that they say, well, come on inside here because we've got the truth and stay here. We've got the whole truth. Okay, but spirit spiritual path is a more open-ended path. Spiritual path is you go in there, you take what you can, and you say, thank you, I'm on my way to the next stop. That's yeah. what spirituality is. It's open-ended, not closed-ended like religion. Spirituality is an open-ended journey of discovery. Wow, thank you. Yes, and and I, I was going to reiterate, you know, because you had talked about the interface going both ways, and I was thinking... As, as it is above, so it is below, but also in a very practical application way. So you go and you touch the other dimensional aspect of self and bring it back to here. You look at the world around you to see what you're emanating. How would you say that, right? Well, I mean, clearly, if if we say that we're spirits that have dreamed ourselves in here, we did this for a particular type of experience that we normally wouldn't be able to have, right? Because spiritual and energy and materiality really kind of they're different planes of vibration. They're different yeah, different yeah, types yeah. of experience sure. altogether. So, sure. I mean, from a spiritual side, you know, we're we're dreaming ourselves into being able to touch, feel, talk, whatever the the human beings do. But from um uh, uh the, from the human side, having these experiences and transmitting them essentially back to spirit, so that spirit can experience the totality of creation in all of its fullness, in all of its nooks and crannies and corners and fullness. You know, this is this is really what the experience yeah. is about. We're yeah. all looking to become yeah, yeah. Indivi- in, like Carl Jung would say, individuated beings. We're looking to become self-actualized beings. Uh, you know, where where um, at some point heaven and earth merge within us and maybe there is no veil one day. I think the ultimate game plan here is that, um, you know, we get to the point where uh, this um, this two way interaction, the veil between them, you know, kind of lifts and it becomes, yeah. you know, earth, heaven becomes earth and earth becomes heaven. And we can go in and out of physical forms again, as we might have done before. Yeah, I love that. Well, Peter, our time is up. Um, where do people find you, find you real quick? Yeah, um, you can go to my best place to go to my website, petercanova.com. That's P-E-T-E-R-C-A-N-O-V-A.com. I also have another website for the first book of the trilogy, Pope Annalisa, which is popeanalisa.com, P-O-P-E-A-N-N-A. 
lisa.com. But you can access the Trilogy site through uh, my, my Peter Canova website. So that's probably the best place to go. And I do have a podcast, my own podcast called Quantum Spirituality, which um, they can access through the website too, as well as uh, a lot of videos and great information for people. Thank you so much. This is Loretta Brown, my guest today, the amazing Peter Canova, Quantum Spirituality. And everybody, have fun out there. Enjoy. Be careful under the Venus. Be careful. <laughs> Lots of love. Thanks, Benny. You're the best.